What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Athlete Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Hav, and thank you so much for joining me today for today's very special episode. Wow, it is episode 50. Can you believe it? It's been a wild ride. It's crazy to think that we are already 50 episodes in. It seems like just yesterday that this podcast was just getting off the ground. Before we get into today's episode and what it's all about, I want to go ahead and take a moment to say thank you to everybody who's been a part of this journey so far, whether you've been with us from day one or you're just now tuning into the podcast. Thank you so much for building this community and making this experience amazing. So uh, now on to the actual structure of today's episode. And along the way in this podcast, I've learned many things. And I've wanted to bring the things that I've learned to you to make sure that you can have your own takeaways and develop in your own craft. And one of the most important things that I've learned during this podcast and the lesson that I'm going to be bringing you here today is the lesson of greatest coaching investments. It's a question that I've asked several guests, several of my, my amazing guests um, during the time of this podcast, and some of the answers have been incredible. And so I wanted to bring that to you here today. Now, oftentimes when we think about what an investment is, we think about a monetary investment. What can I put my money into and what return will it give me? Maybe we'll also think about an investment in time. How can I spend my time and then what will that do for my career maybe? But I think another one, another way to think about investments is how you invest your mindset, how you invest your attention and how can you curate that mindset to become a better coach and ultimately better serve your athletes. And you'll see that some of these answers today really speak to that point. Now, for the format of today's show, I'm going to give you three separate clips in response to the question of what is your greatest coaching investment? At the beginning of those clips, I'm going to go ahead and deliver a little bit of commentary and give you some of my takeaways for each of these clips and why they were relevant to me. And I'm hoping that that will facilitate your own takeaways and you can determine how that this clip is helping you become a better coach. I will also leave the links in the show notes to the full episodes, and I will encourage you to definitely listen to those in their entirety because those episodes provide many more takeaways than I could possibly deliver to you in a single clip. Before I let you guys get to the episode, I want to remind you that if you're enjoying the podcast, please take some time out of your day and leave us a review on the platform of your choice. Now, on to episode 50. Enjoy the show. So this clip is from episode 43, Embracing Doubt and Ditching Jiu-Jitsu Moves with Greg Souders. And Greg is really been one of my favorite guests that I've had the opportunity of interacting with. Uh, he is, as you'll hear in this clip even, and definitely when you listen to the whole episode, he is all in on his profession. And that's what he talks about. He talks about going all in and really embracing the idea of being fully committed to your craft. And I think this is a very, very relevant point that Greg makes. From my experience in the industry, I have seen coaches who are kind of half in, half out. And if you want to be great at something, if you really want to investigate your sport, you really have to be fully committed and take Greg as an example. You know, he was a coach that was doing more of a technical model, basically following what everybody else was doing until he fully committed himself to really understanding his art, which in this case is jujitsu. So 
What's your art? What's your craft? And how can you fully commit yourself into truly understanding at a deep level what you and what your athletes are doing and what it means to your sport? Really enjoyed this conversation, but I do have to ask you, what would you say has been the best investment in your coaching career? So for any coaches listening to this, it could be time. It could be a monetary investment. Is there anything that stands out as being the best investment of your coaching career? Complete commitment to being a good coach and understanding jiu-jitsu as, as deeply as possible. I mean, what I mean is I oriented my entire life around it. I mean, like literally everything that I do, like I don't, I watch movies and I relate it to jujitsu. If I watch a horror movie, I'm like, man, you know what suck about being in that environment? There might not be any masks to train and you can't really <laughs> grapple. You can't really grapple a zombie. No, anyway, I'm just joking, but no, seriously, I mean, complete commitment to your task. I mean, most people are only halfway committed. See, I think a large problem with the jiu-jitsu community is that it's it's um, the way it gains funds is through sales and marketing. I mean, gyms are pedestrian. We need people to come in the doors. And so I think coaches have to split their time between being true coaches and sales and marketers. And so you can't fully invest in the coaching side of things and really understanding jiu-jitsu as a thing in and of itself because it doesn't bring in money. Uh, and so I think people avoid that. And I just decided to do it the other way. I decided, okay, look, I'm going to I'm going to drive a Civic. And I'm going to live in a condo and I'm going to eat rice. And so I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that my life is filled with coaching jujitsu and understanding jujitsu. So I think just, again, full investment in the task and in the project. Uh, I mean, and doing everything that, I mean, all the learning, all the interacting, being on the mats every single day with my students, traveling to all the tournaments, watching all their videos, watching all the other guys grapple. I mean, just complete investment. Man. There's nothing better than that. So this clip you're about to listen to is from episode 16 with Corey Van Wyk, The Truth About Creatine. In this episode, Corey and I discuss everything in regards to creatine, from the truths to the myths, any and everything regarding creatine. But I also wanted to get Corey's opinion on the greatest coaching investments because Corey really has his pulse on the industry. He's been a college strength coach. He's been an editor at Human Kinetics, and now he actually has a podcast coming out himself. So I really was looking forward to getting his perspective because it's so well-rounded. And I think what really stands out to me about this particular clip and Corey's answer is how he talks about doing the thing that you're trying to learn. A lot of the times, you know, in this industry, we go to these conferences and these lectures and we just, you know, maybe we take a few notes and then we automatically kind of forget about the things that we want to implement. Well, Corey is talking about actually doing the thing that you want to learn. So whether it's a conference about agility, a conference about um, lifting, whatever it is, making sure that you're going to educational formats and seminars where you're actually going to be putting in the work. And I think this speaks to the idea of being an actual practitioner. If you want to become great at something, it's really hard to just talk about it. The best idea is to roll up your sleeves, get in the trenches, and do the thing that you want to be great at. As a coach, you know, what would you say has been your most valuable investment into your career? Um, so as, you, as you're thinking about this, you know, it could be time investment. It could be, you know, money investment. But I'm just curious. It's something that I've been thinking about. And as someone who's been in the industry in many different forms, mm. I would be interested to hear what, what you have to say. Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, because I, I've invested a lot of money in a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I would say any invest your, 
if you, you want to talk about money, invest your money and try to, from a con ed standpoint, try to go to things where you actually do the thing. So if you're learning, if you want to learn about lifting, go to a seminar or a workshop where you actually lift. If you want to get better at speed or agility, go to a, a workshop or seminar where you actually have to do the thing. You actually have to run or you actually have to uh, do agility. Like, you know, you know, we've been to the sport movement skill conference. And if you go there, like wear athletic clothing, <laughs> yes, get, I can, get involved in the drills, like get involved I can in the activity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, or, you know, communication aspects. Okay. Go find something that will actually force you to work on your communication. And I'm not a perfect communicator by any means, but, you know, something like, and this is, you know, again, I used to work for Brett in, in Art of Coaching. The Art of Coaching has a two-day workshop where you are forced to communicate and get in uncomfortable situations or situations where you might not be um, very good at at that specific thing, whether it's talking with a coach, talking with an administrator, talking with a parent, uh, or thinking fast and making decisions. Those are the things you want to look for. Those are always going to be better than anything just simply lecture-based, even though there's great stuff out there. Uh, try to find those things. It's also where the best net networking happens. Every every person that has been, uh, you know, not only good for my job now because of the connections, but just me as a professional, the the connections you make when th those types of events are always going to be better. So that that's what I would say. Love it. I think there's a lot of value in what you said there. Um, and I would, I would second that I've, I've made some of my absolutely, you know, best connections and, and good friends through, through conferences. So there's nothing like, you know, I, now that we're getting more in person, there's nothing like yes. being in, in a room with people, you know, and actually, like you said, doing the thing yeah, and going just, through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, rather than just learning the thing. Yeah. All right. So this last clip is from way back in episode 24, Applying an Ecological Approach to Practice Design in American Football with Tyler Yerby and Sean Mishka. And I've known both Tyler and Sean for a number of years, so I went ahead and included both of their answers because I thought they both touched on different aspects that I thought were important. And I legitimately wanted to hear what they had to say, being that I've known them for a while. And I think the first thing that I'll say and the first answer here is going to be from Sean. He talks about going to practice and learning from others. And that's something that I've adopted into my own behavior and my own practice in learning from others, not just, again, in a setting over, over the internet or even at a conversation, but actually going and observing how they coach. And even if it isn't necessarily someone that coaches in the same sport that you do or in the same setting, you can always learn from someone in how they interact with their athletes maybe how they, how they interact with the other coaches, how they carry themselves, how they cue their athletes, how they speak to their athletes. So I think that is very, very important and something that Sean told me years ago and that I've tried to adopt. And then when talking about Tyler's answer, I think the, the thing that stands out really to me, and I kind of touched on it already with Sean's answer, but that is studying different disciplines, studying different disciplines other than your own. He mentions how, Carl Woods and Sean study other disciplines besides coaching. And I think that's really important. What can you gain from your life experience? Maybe you like um, 
you know, in, in this example, I believe they say stand-up comedians, or maybe you like cooking. Maybe you like, I don't know, wh whatever it may be, but taking that discipline and adding your own secret sauce, your own life experience to your coaching and your learning style, I think is critically important. And then the last part that I think is really important mentioning is that Tyler mentioned, it's to challenge what you're doing, right? Not being afraid to go ahead and be critical of your methods to make sure, right, at the end of the day that you're always improving as a coach. This, but I guess we'll start with Sean, but what has been the best or most important investment in your coaching journey, in your coaching career? Could be huh. monetary, could be time, whatever whatever it is for you. I would love to hear what has been Sean Miska's uh, best investment. And, and muscle cars and sports cars probably don't count there. Um, <laughs> so I keep telling my fiance that those are really good investments. I should keep purchasing those um, she, if she listens to this, which she will not listen this far in. She'll probably listen to the first few minutes and, and critique me and then go, you know, go on about her day. Um, you know, it's a really good question, Javi. I, I would say that for me, a lot of it is investing in one's time. So looking at the time of others and finding ways to invest or engage with an open line of communication with them, whether it's, you know, obviously we now have created the Movement Academy, which has served as that type of platform or medium for other coaches, as Tyler already alluded to. But when I have put myself out there, and this is something that I've talked to you about, Javi, right? Uh, well before even emergence ever existed, to try and Put yourself out there learning from others. I already dropped the Bruce Lee quote of researching one's own experience and then absorbing what is useful, discarding what is not, and adding what is uniquely your own. But I think when we really engage in the teaching of others and how they're going about their craft and trying to see what we can absorb, what we might want to flip to the wayside and discard, and what we may do how we could put our own spin upon what they're doing. I, I think there's tremendous value in that. So whether that's reaching out to somebody and asking them if they can, if you can come to their practice or their learning environment, um, even if you have to throw them a little bit of coin here or there, you know, or, or you have to pay your way to get out there if they live across the country or something of that nature. I mean, to your credit, Javi, obviously the right upon us first meeting, you asked me that and we had spent what, seven or eight weeks together in the spring when I brought a, a group of NFL something players like down to Chandler and you're like, Hey, can I come out in the fall? And I'm like, absolutely on your own dime and on your own accord and on your own willingness, you were there, right? And you invested that time, energy, and effort. And hopefully the experience was worthwhile. But I think more people should be willing to do that. Instead of going to, and now this is going to be like kind of shooting myself in the foot because I do or have created the Sport Movement Skill Conference, right? But you see people go to conferences, but they don't actually like engage with the conference. They don't engage in the discussions. They're there maybe looking for a cookbook of drills from a different coach. Many of the presentations are just regurgitations of the same information that doesn't happen at the Sport Movement Skill Conference, but it happens at every NSCA or NASM or um, CSCCA and all these other uh, you know, all you see is like, hey, learn to squat, learn to power clean, learn to hang clean. Hey, how do you get faster in the 40? Like, guys, start actually seeing people in their craft. Like, I, I was having a conversation this morning. Now I'm going to get up on a soapbox. But I was having a conversation this morning about how people promote coaches across social media, and they've never actually fucking watched them coach. 
Like they've never actually been in their learning environment and they're like, oh, you know, like raising up like the raise the roof hands or the all glory be to God hands for somebody else and somebody else's crap, but they've never actually watched them coach. Like, what is that? You don't know, like you want to put your stamp of approval on who they are and what they do and you've never actually seen them in their craft. But anyways, now I got myself off on a tangent and I got myself fired up and sweaty. I'll pass the mic over to Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. How do I follow that? So I think for me, it's a multi-layered answer, but it, it it starts or stems from what Sean shared. I feel as though like truly engaging with other coaches and not just from your sport and being willing to absorb something from them and challenge what you may currently be doing. So having that cup that is at least partially empty, I think that's probably the best place to start. And to Sean's point, like sometimes that does cost you something, right? And I think we should be willing to pay for that if we truly want to earn or gain something from it. So I feel as though that that's probably the number one recommendation that I can make. Uh, and it's because a lot of times you're seeing it, you know, you're it's seeing an organic version of them with all the the glory, but also the, all the mistakes, right? You get a chance to see like, huh, okay. They are human. They do things. They do things differently as well. I mean, I make so many mistakes and I analyze myself harder than anybody. Well, I'll sit in the car after a session and I'm like, gosh, what could I have done better? Did I talk enough in that session? Which I know some of you are thinking like, did he talk enough? Like I actually don't talk a ton at my sessions. I allow the environment and the task to speak to the performer more so. Additionally, and this is something that I do want to give. I do want to give both Sean and uh, Carl Woods credit for this. Obviously, both of which are on the paper. They study different disciplines. So it may seem odd to go. Well, I study outside of sport. Well, Carl's in anthropology. He's in so many different disciplines. Sean is yes, looking at different areas that are somewhat sport related. But he was the first person that turned me on to Bruce Lee, which is known more for sport. But he's more of a philosopher than he is even even a martial artist. It's like studying in areas outside of what you do to be able to borrow some of that and inject it into your craft. Um, he studies comedians as well. That be, uh, him being Sean. So I would say studying outside of your sport. And then being honest with yourself. And I said something earlier on in this call about like being a gigantic waste of time if you're doing rote repetition activities. Let's call them drills. Let's call them what they are. That that probably made some listening to this sit up in their chair, get a little irritated. Maybe the hairs raised on their neck some. And I hope it did because it did to me whenever I first heard it because I got a little bit offended by it. I'm like, well, you're challenging everything I've done and everything I do. How dare you? Um, because it might make what or some of what I've done Maybe not quite as valuable as it could be. But when I had to ask myself the hard question of, is this drill really doing much for them other than maybe making them sweat? I coached in Oklahoma. I don't know if anybody listening out there has been to northern Oklahoma. It gets pretty hot in the summer. So yeah, maybe they're sweating a bit more so. Maybe they're out of breath. So maybe I'm reducing the chance of them having a cardiac disease. Fantastic. Well, I can do that outside of sport. Is this drill actually benefiting them? And the answer was no. So all I'm saying is, is I've been there, find, and I know I'm kind of going in a slightly different direction now, but I want to mention this, just find a small way to make it a bit more ecologically friendly. Put a body in front of them, okay? Allow for them to maybe have some ownership and maybe allow for mistakes to occur because people are so fearful of mistakes, but mistakes are where learning occurs because we get a chance to actually explore what is possible. So I, the takeaway for me though, as far as where do you go? Learn from individuals that are actually doing it in your sport and outside of your sport, and then also reach outside of sport. The great words of advice. I appreciate both of those answers. And 
Speaking of mistakes and to what Sean mentioned, I booked a hotel room and took an Uber to the wrong hotel when I initially visited you many, many years ago. And I did not realize how cold Minnesota was uh, throughout the months of when, uh, what, you know, November through May. Uh, no, November through, <laughs> let's just be, I'm from Texas. Um, for those of you who do not know, November through about May. Now it's fantastic um, in June through October, but you better be willing to adapt in the other months. Otherwise, you're going to be in a you're going to be in a world of hurt. Uh, I well, s- remember the first Sport Movement Skill Conference oh. that you were here it was the first weekend in April, and you brought Rob, your business partner, along, and you guys looked about the most miserable of the entire 100 plus person crowd. So that's because uh, they were. <laughs> how, could I, how could I forget minus <laughs> minus seven wind chill? All right, as we start to wrap things up for this episode, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't share what my best coaching investment has been in my career. And there's been many great investments. I've had many monetary investments that have given me a great return, many time investments that have given me a great return. But really, when I think about it, the big overarching investment that has given me the greatest return on my career has been the investment in vulnerability. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, taking the mindset of a lifelong learner, taking the mindset of someone who does not have all the answers, taking the mindset of someone whose cup is not full, taking the mindset of someone who can learn from anybody, from any situation, from anything. And that means putting yourself out there. That means being comfortable with not knowing, right? Which is very difficult for a lot of people. I have talked about this podcast on this podcast many times about the idea of having an athlete versus a coach-centered approach. Well, taking an athlete-centered approach means that as a coach, you don't have all the answers, that you can learn just as much from your athletes as they learn from you. And that is not always easy, right? Taking the mindset of going through some of these theories and the application of an ecological dynamics framework, for example, means being wrong, (laughs) means being first admitting that what you were doing in the past may not have been the best use of your time and may not have been serving your athletes the best. And that's hard to do. And that's something that when I decided to do that many, many years back has given me an infinite amount of return from, you know, first meeting Sean to then taking a plane out to Minnesota when I didn't really know any better and didn't really have the money and, and was certain to, to look stupid to taking that time out to visit him, for example, was a great investment to asking coaches their opinion on certain things, right? To asking podcast guests to be on this podcast, right? It's not easy to ask people who maybe you admire to come on and speak to you, right? There's a little bit of imposter syndrome that can occur, but when you're okay with being wrong, when you're okay with maybe not having all the answers, so many doors open up for you. You know, I think about, you know, a memory specifically uh, when I was at an NSCA conference, and I remember when I would go to these conferences, I would go to these clinics, and I would be mortified when I first started coaching. I'd be mortified in asking questions because I did not want to look stupid. I did not want to be the person in a room full of smart people to ask the dumb question. And then I remember after one of the speakers presented this uh, this particular year, I made it in my mind that I'm going to ask them a question. And I remember being so petrified in asking this particular speaker a question. And I asked my question 
to him after the presentation, right? Remember, not in front of everybody else, right? That, that would have been too much. But I asked this question of him. And I remember, you know, asking with a probably a shaky voice and probably not the most confident. And I don't necessarily remember even what the question was. But I remember that sitting back down, walking back to my seat. And I was like, oh, this was it. This was the big deal. Because oftentimes we build up things in our mind that we think are going to be these big monsters. Turns out they're not. So again, the best investment of my coaching career has been an investment in vulnerability, an investment in being a lifelong learner, an investment in understanding that it's okay not to have all the answers and being comfortable sitting in that space, sitting in that space of not being certain, that space of uncertainty. We talk a lot about expecting our athletes to live in that space, right? To trust me, right? Trust me. We're going to go ahead and explore this new solution. We're going to go ahead and try this new method. And that takes vulnerability for our athletes. But how can we ask that of them if we don't first ask that of ourselves? If we don't first ask of ourselves to be vulnerable and maybe put ourselves out there a little bit and get out of our comfort zone? Because there's nothing worse than being so rigid, so stuck, so fixed and frozen in our own methods that we refuse to put ourselves out there to the detriment of ourselves and maybe even more importantly, to the detriment of our athletes. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. If you like what you heard, share the episode with a friend, share it on social media, or even better, write us a review. Until next time, we'll see you on the Athlete Blueprint Podcast. Take care.